I would invite you to turn with me uh, for the last time in these studies to Galatians chapter 5, and let us read once more this passage, which has been the focus of our study for, well, now this is the 12th of this series. Galatians chapter 5, and let's read beginning with verse hmm, 16. We'll start at verse 16 tonight. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let's come to God in prayer now and ask that he would help us as we conclude this study this evening, that as Pastor Carlson said, that all the more Trinity Baptist Church would be not a trophy case in which these are just set on display, as it were, for people to look at, but that we would be walking examples going out into the sin-cursed world and demonstrating what the Spirit does in his people by his powerful might. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you recognizing that in many ways we fall short of displaying these fruit before this watching world. And yet, where your spirit is at work, there is the kernel, if not the full-grown ripe fruit of these beautiful flavors, which we have been studying for these past couple few months. And now we ask that as we conclude our study, you would use these concluding observations to all the more bend over the nails that have been hammered in of these truths, all the more to work in us these beautiful realities. May they be so. But we also would remember that there are those among us who know nothing of these things, who know nothing of your Spirit's work, who know nothing of regeneration, of new birth, of new life. And we ask that tonight would be the night when they turn from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan to the dominion of our dear Savior. 
We ask it in his precious name. Amen. So as we come now to this last message on the fruit of the Spirit, we've gone through an introductory message. There were two messages on love as as that uh, kind of capstone of all of these uh, flavors of the one fruit. And then we went through each one in turn. And now we come in the 12th message to wrap it all up, conclude, and try to step back and see where does this fit, not only in the passage, but in my life. And so I've prepared, as I promised last week, that summary that, uh, of the definitions that I formulated. And as I say at the end of it, I didn't bring my copy with me, but I say something at the end of it uh, such as this, that where there are phrases that may uh, seem familiar, well, no doubt I copied them from one of the commentaries or one of the books that I've been reading on the fruit of the Spirit. And so I, I would give credit where credit is due and would not be accused, I hope, of being a plagiarizer or a stealer of other men's ideas. But where there is any error, anything that's quite off, I'll take the credit for that. Now, uh, I would ask you that you take one of those, maybe we can make more if we run out, and pray through them. Pray through them. May God answer our prayers by His Spirit working more and more in us that these fruit would be more easily seen in each of us, more readily smelled and tasted. I was speaking with a brother earlier about a life in other places where tropical fruits are grown and you just go into the store and you can smell. You don't have to look and say, oh, there's a banana or there's a mango. You smell the mango and you smell the banana. Oh, may our lives be so savory that we smell these flavors as we walk through this world. Now, as we conclude, what I'm going to do, and I I didn't quite know how to do this, um, what we have is, and I'll, I'll title it this way, seven simple summary statements. Now, that's as alliterative as this is going to get, I'm afraid. The other points in the outline are not going to line up so easily. I have seven of them, seven simple summary statements as we wrap up our study of the fruit of the Spirit. And so here they are. I'm going to mention them at the outset so you get an idea where we're going. And the first few are kind of like the chain of how this happens. The first three, you need the Spirit to get this fruit. Secondly... You need Christ to get the Spirit. Thirdly, to get Christ's salvation and the Spirit, you get this by faith alone and not by works. All right? So there's kind of a chain. Where do you start? Well, it starts with faith. Then you get Christ because he saves. And when you have Christ, you have his Spirit. So we'll go backwards on that. But then, just some other observations in the text. This blessed fruit has more than nine flavors. Yes, and that's hinted at here. This blessed fruit has more than nine flavors. Fifthly, this blessed fruit is not proscribed, but prescribed by the law. And I'll explain that when we get there. Not proscribed, but prescribed by the law. Sixthly, the dark, destructive deeds of the flesh are what the law prohibits. And seventhly, God's law is not for legalism, but for liberty. To enjoy this lawful fruit. God's law is not for legalism, but for liberty. 
to enjoy this lawful fruit. Okay, so that's where we're going. And, you know, that's a mouthful. If you didn't get all those, we're going to go to them one by one. And I hope you see, even though I I don't expect you to pass a quiz and uh, list all seven of these points at the end of the message. But I hope as we go through that you see they grow out of what the text says, especially this whole chapter, Galatians 5, the whole book of Galatians. Uh, But I hope the main point comes through. What's the main point? Well, this is what the Spirit does in His people. All right? That's the main point. Okay, so let's begin. Let's dig in. You need the Spirit to get this fruit. Now, we made this point, I think, with every every one of the nine flavors. You need the Spirit. That's a major point, in fact, of this whole book. The Christian life is life lived in the Spirit of God, with the Spirit indwelling, with the Spirit motivating, with the Spirit directing our lives. Not that we have this impulse and, oh, the Spirit led me to do this in some sort of uh, mystical fashion, but we have his word and we have his presence we have his sanctifying work in our lives the holy spirit the comforter is the one who produces this fruit that means if you want to see this fruit grow in your life and who doesn't you need to pray as we just sang help us hear us holy spirit hear us help of all the weak i'm weak you're mighty I need more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I need your help. Now, negatively, we could state it this way. This fruit is not produced by the flesh. In other words, by mere determined self-effort. I want to be more loving. I'm going to love you if it kills me. Well, all right. Good desire. Uh, Might kill you. Galatians 5.17. Look back at what we read. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do, you might not be able to do, you are not able to do the things that you wish, that you desire. You want to be more loving. You want to be more peaceful. In your flesh, that is, in your own strength, by yourself, without the Spirit, not going to happen. You need the Spirit. What do you get out of the flesh? All right. You say, I'm going to do this. As Singaporeans say, can. Mm, Can't. (laughs) Answer your Singaporean friends. Can't. Why? Well, what do you get out of the flesh? Now, the deeds of the flesh. How many times have we read that passage? Are evident, which are immorality, impurity. This is what you get out of the flesh. This is what you get out of the best self-effort of humanity. Now, you may say, you may object, wait a minute, I know a guy in my office, he is a pagan, he denies the Bible's truth, and yet he's the nicest guy in our office. Well, Calvin remarks this, there have often appeared in unrenewed men remarkable instances of gentleness, integrity, temperance, and generosity, but all were unquestionably 
but specious disguises, empty disguises. It was only in the sight of men and as members of civil society that they were so distinguished. In the sight of God, nothing is pure but what proceeds from the fountain of all purity. See, the world can copy and mimic, and as, as uh, Cornelius Van Til says, borrow from the capital of Christianity. They can borrow these standards, except in our day they banished God's standard, and that's why we're seeing increasing decay in society. Uh, but they, they, they may borrow these things. They may make facsimiles, copies, shadows of these graces. But when you pry a little deeper... Maybe that kindness was to get something. Isn't that the way the world reacts to kindness? What are you after? What are you trying to get out of me? Well, because much of the kindness in the world is motivated selfishly. Much of the display is to gain something. But again, the purity of these graces is that which proceeds from the fountain of all purity. So you want this fruit, right? Look at it again. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. I hope you could say them without even looking at your Bibles now. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You want those? Who wouldn't? Because the opposite of them is misery. Well, you need the Spirit. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And in you, it's not just Paul, in your flesh. Recognize it, face it for what it is. Look in the mirror of God's word. Look into your own soul. In me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. You're not going to do this by unregenerate humanity. That's the bottom line. You need the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, guess where it comes from? From the Spirit. That's the first point. You need the Spirit to get this fruit. Secondly, you need Christ to get the Spirit. You can only receive the Spirit of Jesus from Jesus himself. And so you need him. This is what John says or in commenting on Jesus' words in John seven thirty nine. Where Jesus goes up to the feast and says there that uh, you drink the water that he gives, you will never thirst. And John, uh, John comments upon this by the inspiration of the Spirit and says, But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Who is going to receive the Spirit? Bottom line, those who believed in him. You need Christ to receive his spirit. He's the one who gives the spirit. And so, if you're not a Christian, I mean, you you can say, oh, Holy Spirit, do these things in me. But if you don't have Christ, you don't have his ear. You don't have that open door into the court of heaven. You need Christ. Jesus said in John 14, in that upper room discourse, in John 14, verse 16, and I invite you to look there. 
I'm one of those stubborn guys. I like to see things with my own eyeballs, and maybe you're like me. So, yeah, okay, let's look there. John 14, 16 to 18. This is what Jesus said to his disciples there in the upper room. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Well, wait wait a minute. Which is it? Jesus, are you going to come or is the Spirit going to come? Yes. Jesus comes by his spirit. You have Christ. You have his spirit. He promised his spirit. His spirit has come. And so, bottom line, you need Jesus. You say, I know that. Well, some don't. <laughs> and some of you sitting here tonight, you've heard these things before. And I'm not, trying, I'm not up here to hound you and pound you. But I'm up here to entice you and woo you. Because you need Christ. You need the Spirit's fruit. You need the Spirit. You need new life. Because Christ gives not just the Spirit. Christ gives pardon, peace, acceptance. Pardon from your sin of deepest dye. He gives acceptance with the Father. He pays for sin, as we saw this morning on the cross, being justified by His blood. It's His blood shed on the cross. And so you think, well, I can do this on my own. I got it. I pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to go to the court of heaven and I'll be my own advocate. Not a chance. It's hopeless. Because God sees right through you. He knows what you've done. He knows the lies you've told. He knows the evil thoughts that you've harbored and even delighted in. I was reading a treatise of J.C. Ryle just earlier to young men, and he warned against pride. Think you're immune from pride? How often has it been, even sitting there, even turning uh, to a passage in your Bible, and you open it up before the person next to you, and you think, oh, I'm pretty good. Have you ever thought that? How do I know? Because I've thought that. The devil delights to puff you up. And you delight to have it so. God sees right through you. You can't stand. You haven't got one leg even before a holy God. You need Jesus. More than money, more than marriage, more than things, more than houses, lands, more than job, more than children, all the things that people long for in this life. You need Jesus. One song puts it, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. You need Jesus. You need his blood. You need his righteousness. You need his love and grace. And that's the marvelous thing. He says, come to me. Hold that his arms to you even tonight. Come to me. You can have him if you'll have him. Come to Jesus. There's nothing certain, they say, in this world but death and taxes. And I'll add one more thing that's certain in this world, in the sin-cursed world, sin. Certain. And then death follows sin. 
And God hates these evils with an utmost hatred. How can you stand? Bold shall I stand in that great day. For who ought to my charge shall lay. Fully absolved through these I am. From what? From God's judgment for my sin. Through what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. You need Christ. And so that's the third point. You need the Spirit to get the fruit. You need Christ to get the Spirit. Oh, that's the second point rather. The third point, how do you get Christ? Third point is this. You get Christ, salvation, the Spirit. You get this whole package. How? Well, I better work hard for it. That's the natural man. You know, that's the way it is in this world, right? You, wanna, you want something, you got to work for it. I think I might have told you before of my seventh grade, or no, excuse me, it was eighth grade science teacher who said to us again and again, if you want the A, you have to work a little bit harder. Mr. Oswald, eighth grade science. I remember it. You want the A? You have to work for it. You want to be accepted by God? You got to work for it. That's the natural man. But it's impossible. We just saw that. The flesh accomplishes nothing but sin. So how do you get it? Look in Galatians. Galatians answered. How do you get the Spirit? Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3 and verse 2. You foolish Galatians, Paul chides them, verse 1, who has, beseeched, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly, publicly portrayed as crucified. That is, in the preaching of the gospel. You've seen that Christ was crucified to save sinners. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you earn Him? Did you work harder? Did you work a little bit harder? Impossible. Or by hearing, hearing the gospel. And it came to you with power and you sat there and you thought, how did this guy know about me? And it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit coming, convicting. Hearing with faith. That's the work of the Spirit. And so the Spirit works so that you can get the Spirit. Hearing with faith. Where does faith come from? By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. And so, you know, you get this idea, well, I'm going to be a good kid. And I've interviewed some who are now members of this church. I've sat in interviews where, oh, I, I memorized scripture better. And I, I went to Sunday, and I, hey, I grew up in church. The church I grew up in, we had on our offering envelope little boxes to check. Read your Bible every day. Went to Sunday school, morning service, evening service, prayer meeting. Check, check, check. Witness to a friend. Check. You know what? I, 
I, I purposely, at some point in my early teens, probably about 12 years old, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check every box this week. To do what? To get credit with God. And this was in a church where we memorized Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Check, 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 check. You get all those boxes checked, you're good. Dear young person, that's not the way it works. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Now, when you're saved, of course, that's not going to be a loan that, oh, I just believe. Yeah, I believe. But it's going to produce fruit. And that's what this whole passage is about, the fruit of the Spirit. And let's go on in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If any man's in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And the point is, again, you can't produce the fruit by yourself. You need Christ. You need the Spirit. And you only get Christ, the Spirit, the fruit by trusting in Jesus. Not by your self-effort. All right? So, you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self-control? Yeah? Go to Christ. (laughs) Go to Christ. Now, the next thing in the summary statements is this. This blessed fruit has more than nine flavors. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. You've just been going through each of these nine flavors, and we've been, I've been blessed. I hope you have. We've appreciated learning about these things the Spirit does. You mean there's more? Yes, wonderfully so. And it's hinted at even in the passage. Look back at Galatians 5 and verse 23. Against such things there is no law. Such things. It's kind of like what he said about the deeds of the flesh. Deeds of the flesh, he says, all that whole list. And then you come to the end of it, he says, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Such things. Against such things now, these things that I've mentioned, nine of them, and and there's such others that I could have mentioned, he's kind of hinting at here in this concluding statement. Against such things, there is no law. There are other such things. And so as you pray through this nine-flavored fruit of the Spirit, here's my challenge. Add to the list. Not things that you cook up yourself and say, well, I'd like to be. Wouldn't it be nice if I were? But you can go to the scriptures and find in the scriptures other graces which are not particularly mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. More than nine flavors. Just, for example, uh, Colossians chapter 3. We looked at a couple years ago as we studied the book of Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter 3. And what Paul says to the Colossian Christians. Colossians, and you'll find some of these nine things mentioned here. Colossians 3, verse 8. But now, and he had mentioned some of the works of the flesh in verse 5. And now verse 8. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Okay, these are again some more deeds of the flesh. 
Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old man with its evil practices and have put on the new man who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Now look, verse 12. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all of these, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And so here are some that you could add right there uh, that are mentioned in this passage. Okay, of course, we see uh, long-suffering, patience. We see kindness. But look, we've got humility. Hmm. Paul didn't mention that in Galatians 5, explicitly. So uh, that's your list. And so what I did in my own prayer journal, and again, I would challenge you to do the same. I went through the scriptures, and I called out various other graces to pray in. And here's my list. You can make your own. Self-denial sensitivity to others, diligence, wisdom, servanthood, zeal for God's glory, humility, forgiveness, thankfulness, meditation in Scripture, discipline, keep seeking the things above, hate evil, strength, and courage. Things to pray for for myself. And so, when he says, such things, okay, this is a sort of uh, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. So add in your own et cetera, things like these, such things, that you can also pray for that God will work by his spirit in your own life. So that's the fourth point. There are other Flavors. There are more than nine flavors to this wonderful fruit. Now, fifth point, fifth summary statement is this. This blessed fruit is not proscribed, but prescribed by the law. And I'll explain what I mean. It's not banned, but it's blessed. All right. Proscribed. Now, it's interesting. <laughs> I was reading through this book of J.C. Ryle, uh, The Upper Room, and he has in there a marvelous essay, which I would commend to all preachers, Pastor Martin recommended it to us in the academy, on simplicity in preaching. And one of the points he makes in simplicity in preaching is use simple language, not absolutely just Anglo-Saxon English, but simple English, words that are in common use. And he even uses as an example, don't use the word proscribed. <laughs> I already had it in my notes. Well, I'm going to use it anyway because it's a nice a little bit of an alliteration and a sort of play on words. Not proscribed. Proscribed means prohibited, forbidden, if you want a definition. Not proscribed, not forbidden, not uh, prohibited. Uh, in another way of putting it, these things are not against the law. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I think I read that somewhere. 
Well, we just read it here in Galatians. These things are not proscribed, but rather prescribed. That means that they are encouraged. They are, in fact, mandated, if you will, by God's law. They're not banned by God's law, but they're blessed by God's law. Now, let's just think about this. Why did Paul say there's no law against these things? That, that kind of sounds obvious. You know, there's no law against loving your neighbor. There's no law against being kind. There's no law against being gentle. Well, that does seem pretty obvious. Uh, so what is Paul trying to say here when he says there's no law against these things? Well, you see, put it in context. What's the context? There were these false teachers that had invaded the Galatian churches that were saying, you better keep the law of circumcision, the ceremonial law, or you're not going to be accepted by God. And if you're not doing those things, you're against the law. And Paul is saying, wait a minute. You're accusing these Galatian brethren, Gentile converts, of being sinners and lawbreakers because they didn't get circumcised when these people are demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're saying they're lawbreakers when what they're doing is not at all against the law. It's what Jesus said. Remember when the Pharisees accused him of uh, eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said to them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Because these Pharisees were all about the letter of the ceremonial law, and they neglected the weightier matters. And Jesus, or Paul rather, is here saying to these false teachers, you just look at it. We got the weightier matters and you're worried about circumcision. Look back at verse 14. He says, the law is summarized in this statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we've got. Romans 13 Which, we'll get there, as Pastor Chansky would say. Oh, nothing, Romans 13. Again, I'll invite you to turn there with me. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. And again, what we're showing is this blessed fruit is not against the law, but it is encouraged by the law. Romans 13, Oh, nothing to anyone, verse 8, except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it's summed up in this statement, this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Number one, head of the list, keystone, capstone, love. This is keeping the law. You want to see law keeping? Look for people who love. And I'm not talking about gushy, sentimental, overlooking sin kind of love. I'm talking about real, genuine love that promotes godliness. Love does not delight in unrighteousness, but in the truth. And so, this is that great commandment. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Wait a minute. Okay, that's the second table of the law that's mentioned in Galatians 5 and in Romans 13. How about the first table of the law? That's important too. 
You shall, in fact, it's more important. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do you keep that? Well, don't have any other gods in God's face. Don't make any idols. Don't take his name in vain. And remember his day. That's loving God. You love, you have this fruit of the Spirit, you're keeping God's law. All right? So, this fruit is not against the law. And the people who manifest this fruit are demonstrating the work of the Spirit. And what do you get from this? Well, (laughs) through love, serve one another. It's a blessed fruit. And sixthly, sixthly, this dark, destructive, the dark, destructive deeds of the flesh are what the law prohibits. Go back again to this chapter in Galatians. These, these Galatian false teachers were emphasizing circumcision. Now, what's against the law? Well, these false teachers are saying, being uncircumcised, that's a lawbreaker. If you want to be right with God, you better be circumcised or you're out. That was, that's legalism. That's what they were teaching. But look at what Paul says about this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, if you're in Christ, if you have Christ, if you're pardoned by grace, not by your works, what do you have? In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. You guys are barking up the wrong tree. You're chasing down the wrong rabbit hole. It's not, it's not an issue in Christ Jesus. What is the issue? Faith. Do you trust in Jesus? And if you do, how can you prove it? As James would say, faith working through love. Faith that saves. Faith that by the Spirit produces fruit including love. Now, what's against the law then? If it's not being uncircumcised in these days of the new covenant, what is against the law? Well, the deeds of the flesh. The contrast there in verse 19 and following. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. These are the things that are against the law, the dark, destructive deeds of the flesh. Now, so I ask you, you see, and I'm emphasizing this point because some accuse us here at Trinity Baptist Church of being legalists. Imagine that. We've just been hearing this morning that we're justified by the blood of Jesus. That having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And now we're reading here that circumcision means nothing. Uncircumcision means nothing. What matters is that you trust in Jesus. But... When you trust in Jesus, it produces fruit. Now, I ask you just a simple question. Is this legalism? I mean, honestly. Those who accuse us, I don't know where they get it. Now, is it legalism that we would want to stay away from the deeds of the flesh? 
I ask you. Who wants them? It's just common sense. Who wants them? That's wickedness. Why would I want to go there? I'm fed up with that. That's where I came from. It's not legalism that we would turn away from these things and walk in the peaceful ways of God's wisdom. Listen to James. James chapter 3, verse 13. Now, again, you, you call this legalism? I don't get it. Who among you is wise? I call it wisdom. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and guess what? Good fruits unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Again, I just ask you, is that legalism? To walk in God's peaceful ways? Let him show by his behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. And so, my point again is this. What do you get from the, the, from the flesh? You get dark, destructive deeds. And those are the things which the law proscribes, prohibits. It doesn't prohibit righteousness. It prohibits sin. Which, to be honest with you, makes misery. Psalm 25.10, I'll just quote this one. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Again, just a simple question. Keeping God's paths, walking His ways. Is that legalism? It's loving kindness and truth to those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. And so this whole accusation, this whole idea, well, Trinity Baptist Church or anybody who preaches this way, that's legalism. Poof. It's not true. We preach God's peaceful ways, which is for your good. All right, last, last summary statement. Number seven. God's law is not for legalism, but for liberty to enjoy this lawful fruit. And so some may say, well, I'm free from the law. You know, it says right here in this chapter, uh, in going back to Galatians chapter five and verse one, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Yeah, I'm free from the law. Free from the law. I don't, I don't need to listen to the law. Don't give me this law stuff. That's what the text says. Well, let's read the context. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Keep going. For you were called to freedom. All right, yeah, freedom. We have freedom in Christ. But what does that freedom do? You are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And what does the flesh produce? We read it. But through love, serve one another. So what do you get when you're free in Christ? You get freedom to sin. You get freedom to go against God's law, to toss it out. Not at all. 
You get freedom to walk God's ways, which are pleasant ways, which are blessed ways, which are loving kindness and truth. And so the law is not for legalism. The law is for liberty to enjoy this lawful, blessed fruit. We're free from the law in terms of justification. That's the point of the book of Galatians. Galatians 5, verses 4 and 6. 4 through 6, you have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. And so, it's not legalism. The law... We're not justified by law. But now we have the law to direct us and guide us. To keep us from what? The deeds of the flesh. Which, by all accounts, are going to produce, the devil promises, happiness. But he gives misery. So I hope you get this point. As, you know, as I wrestled with how do I end this, I want to put it all together in this package that God's ways are blessed ways. God's fruit, the fruit of salvation, is a blessed fruit. And the way of the world, the way of the flesh, is sin. And the way of sin is bondage. He who commits sin is a slave of sin. And the way of bondage in sin is misery and death. And dear young people, and this is kind of why I read that little article by J.C. Ryle just this afternoon. Uh, words to young men, especially young men, but young ladies, old men and old ladies, all of us. We need it. Sin is going to make you miserable. He who commits sin transgresses against the law. Sin is the transgression of the law, as the King James of 1 John 3, 4. How do you know sin? How do you know what's going to make you miserable? You look at the law. God's ways are loving kindness and truth. The ways of the flesh, the way of the world is misery and death. Let me just be explicit here. You think sleeping with your girlfriend or your boyfriend is liberty. This is going to be happiness. No, it's bondage and sorrow. And I may have told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. I sat in a coffee shop at a, uh, near a car garage one time in the Philippines waiting for my oil to be changed. And there was this young couple. The girl was in tears. The guy was playing with his cell phone. It became evident that she was in trouble because of their relationship. He didn't care. It's her problem. You think it's going to make you happy? It's misery. God's ways are loving kindness and truth. Sin makes you miserable. Don't buy the devil's lie. The fruit of the Spirit is, let me say them again, love. You want love? Don't look for love in the wrong place. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Joy. The devil promises joy, but he gives you misery. Peace. Peace of heart and conscience. It doesn't come out of a bottle. It doesn't come from drugs. That causes misery because you wake up, it's still there, the problem. Love, joy, peace. Patience. 
That's long-suffering, whatever you want to call it, enduring difficulty. You're going to have difficulty in this life. Man's born to trouble as sure as the sparks fly upward. How are you going to endure it? You need the Spirit. Patience, kindness, short supply in this world. Goodness. We need more good people. They don't grow on trees. Faithfulness. Someone true to their word. Gentleness. Gentleman. Gentlewoman. Gentle with people. Self-control. Where do you get it? From the Spirit. You need Christ. And so, God's gospel promotes these things. This is what you get. Well, in conclusion then, remember, what are these seven things? And I'm not going to give you a quiz. I would fail it. I'm the one who preached it. You need the Spirit to get this fruit. You need Christ to get the Spirit. You need Christ, you, to get Christ's salvation and the Spirit and His fruit, you need to believe in Jesus. Faith. You get it by faith, not works. This blessed fruit, number four, has more than nine flavors. There's a lot of other graces we need. And this blessed fruit is not proscribed, they're forbidden, but prescribed by the law. It's not banned, but blessed. Sixthly, this, the dark destructive deeds of the flesh are what the law prohibits. It doesn't prohibit these fruit. And seventhly, God's law is not for legalism, but for liberty to enjoy this lawful fruit. And so in conclusion, with those seven things, hopefully that we've gotten something out of them. Friends, turn from sin. Sin, what is it going to get you? The deeds of the flesh. Ultimate misery. Ultimately, hell. Turn from your sin. Whatever is your sin, whether it's lust, whether it's lying, whether it's anger, whatever it is. Say, I'm done with it. It's caused me untold misery. And it will. Turn from it. Trust in Jesus. Your turning is not going to save you. Only Jesus can save you. So you go to him, you say, here I am, I'm a mess. He knows it, but he wants to hear it from you. Tell him all your mess. Confess your sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Go to Jesus, trust in him. He lived the perfect life, he's the only one. He died the atoning death. His death alone can pay for sin. Come to Him. Cast yourself on Him. Commit your life to Him. Not my way, but Thine, O Lord. Father, I know all my life. It's portioned out. Father, I commit my life to You. Put it in His hands. Not my will, but Thine. Not my plan, but Yours. Not my way, but Yours. Not my wisdom, but Yours. Take my life and let it be. All Yours. And then he begins to work. You see, when he saves, when he gives this new birth, this new life in Christ, then the fruit, he begins to work it. From the get-go, he begins to work it. Now, there's still more work to be done. You just look around you. We're, we're works in progress here. 
He's not done with us. But we're different from the world. We're not what we used to be. The fruit working, fruit bearing begins from the start. But it develops and it grows. It's organic as we saw. And so you need Christ, friends. But if you're a believer here tonight, what do we get out of this whole series? What we get out of this whole series is this. Well, I need more of this fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to have more of that. Well, where do you get it? Not from the flesh, from the spirit. And so, again, I encourage you, take one of those sheets. You don't need it. You can have your Bible and read through the list there in your Bible. Pray it through. Pray it in. Lord, I need it. And it's your spirit who does it. I'm not going to make it myself. I'm not going to manufacture this by working harder. Oh, Lord God, send your spirit. Here I am. Apart from you, I can do nothing. I need your help. I need your grace. When I am weak, and I am weak, Lord, you have said it. Then I'm strong. Make your strength manifest in me. Work these things. Cultivate this fruit in me. And read your word. Do your responsibility. Use the means. Read the word. Pray. Follow the Spirit in His word. Commit yourself to it. Keep in step with the Spirit. That means you're going to obey Him, what He says, and not reject Him. Trust and obey. And brethren, may it be so that here at Trinity Baptist Church, if a visitor comes in here, let's say at the end of 20, what year is it now, 23? They'll see more fruit in this place. More of these graces evident. What happened to Trinity Baptist Church? Well, God the Spirit was working. And he was working these things in us. Because we asked him. And he says, Jesus promised, how will he not Give the Spirit, the good Father, to those who ask. Go and ask. And we'll see. We'll see fruit in Trinity Baptist Church. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, again, we confess we need more evidence of these flavors of this fruit. We ask that you would work it by your spirit, through your word, as we hear it and trust in Christ and follow his will and his word. We do not expect that we're going to get this by self-effort, by working harder, trying harder. But it comes by your spirit. And so we come as empty vessels. We come and say, fill us. We come and say, work in us. We come and say, we are weak, but you are strong. And so in our hour of weakness, when we're frustrated and irritated and tempted to be uh, speaking in anger, grant us kindness and patience and long-suffering. Grant us love, even for the unlovely. Oh, work in us that we would be like our Savior. And for those who are yet outside of Christ, may they see this great contrast with the world and what Our enemy offers us in his enticements that it is empty promises. And that they would turn from the world. Jesus to seek. 
And so we ask for these mercies, not with any confidence in the flesh, but we glory in Christ Jesus. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.